I want to say a thing or two before we begin to pray in order to give direction to our prayers and to make our prayers effectual. If we continue like this, the power of God might begin to move and will not have time to exercise our spirit. You may be seated. God bless you. Tonight we will pray. I'll just talk for 10 minutes and then we'll pray for 40 minutes and allow God to rain upon us for 10 minutes. We must learn the act of consciously stirring our spirit in order to go high. Because that's one of our greatest advantages. The Lord began to help, our, help us to understand how that this is a transition season. There's a fresh move of God that is about to hit the earth realm. There are ordinations about to take place, mantles, callings, responsibilities about to be handed over to our generation. And in the transition phase, the most important spiritual commodity that any generation should have is the spirit of discernment. Because if we don't discern correctly the move of God, we might not understand what God is doing part-time and we'll be involved in doing so many other things that will make us lose relevance in that strategic operation of the Spirit for the generation where we find ourselves. So the Bible said for doing to be accurate, there is a quality of discernment that must be possessed by people. He said the sons of Isaac in First Chronicles chapter 12 verse 32, they understood the times and the seasons. They knew what Israel ought to do understanding times and seasons is what determines your accuracy in your doing and in your function. A generation that cannot discern the times and the seasons will find the people doing many things yet not relevant. Jesus was walking into Jerusalem and he lamented over them. Meanwhile, the religious activities were still going on. But he said, thou knoweth not the times of thy visitation. The reason we emphasize purging, purity, sanctification, and repentance is because we know it's the first criteria that God looks upon before he hands over authority to a generation. This is why God raises men to cry every time a new season is about to be born so that the people he wants to use will realign with his government and received the marching orders from Zion. It was so pathetic that in the generation that Jesus was born, the people had waited on prophecy for 700 years. Isaiah spoke that in the days to come, a voice will cry in the wilderness. A way be prepared for the Lord. The doctors of the Lord, they carried these prophecies and they, they guided it jealously. But the season for the happening of those prophecies, they were not discerning. So they didn't know the days of the manifestation of what they preserved with their lives. They were masters of the laws of Moses. They were reciters of the Torah. They understood the ways of God. They were experts in giving perspective to the counsel of God. 
But just the way the Levites were still available to read the law to a generation to build them, yet the sons of Isaac needed to be on ground to discern times and seasons. So it is in every generation. If we don't know what God is doing now, we will emphasize prosperity at the expense of our souls. We will emphasize the move of power at the expense of our purity. So the same congregation where the power of God is moving, where people are, 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 are motivated for the supernatural, most of them are held back and bound by forces of darkness. That generation does not have the stature to host the glory that is coming. They had grown in authority and in ranking, but they could not discern that the Messiah was coming. In the whole generation, only three persons knew that the season had come. And because they had understanding, their lifestyle were altered. Their priorities were distorted. Their choices were affected. Only three knew that the prophecy of 700 years, the time of its fulfillment had come. So the Bible spoke of Enos, the prophetess. That after her husband died, she was in the temple day and night praying until she was 84 years old. Why would a young lady not go back to get married after losing her husband? She had seen something. The Bible said Moses, when he was come of age, he refused to decode the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of Egypt, which is for a season. Why? He said because he saw him that was invincible. Anna had seen something. So she sentenced herself to the life of fasting and prayer. Consecration became the heaviest molecule of her life because discernment was born in her spirit. She knew that the only way the Messiah would come is for a quorum to be assembled on earth who can generate sufficient prayer and create an alignment pattern enough for the Messiah to show up. She sentenced herself to a life of fasting and prayer. He says, Simeon was in the temple all his life praying. And when the infant Jesus was brought to the temple, the Bible said he moved by the Spirit and went into the temple and he recognized the baby Jesus. The doctors of the law didn't know him. Discernment. And then 30 years later, John will rise from the wilderness crying that the Messiah had come. And when he saw Jesus come, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, that taketh away the sins of the world. Discernment. The three men that discerned what the season carried, their lifestyle was different from every other. The youths are not aware that God is coming to raise an army. So we live a life of pleasure because we have not discerned. This is why God sends men to cry. And if you can hear their cry, it will resonate in your spirit, not in your head. This is why we emphasize so rigidly the necessity for alignment. The need for submission to the government of the Holy Spirit. Because life does not end in time. Until you discern what the season carry and you yield yourself to its fulfillment, you will be amazed that when you depart from earth, that is when true life will begin to find expression and you will not be relevant.
because a whole generation can be lost unless discerning people rise up and they are willing to take up the responsibility that is in the heart of the father what gives you an eye relevance as beautiful as everything we do in time is is the degree to which we can fulfill the mandate of heaven that is allotted to our generation and every time we discern it it will affect the way we talk it will affect the way we dress it will affect where we go it will affect everything we do because that becomes a, a, a signal flowing from the command power of the office of the Christ he said John was in the wilderness until the day of his showing forth unto Israel why he knew that in this generation the Messiah will come and I am the voice the only way I can be relevant in this generation is possible for me to follow the order of the priesthood with my father and become one of the priests but the only way I can be relevant is to find out what was written concerning me before the foundations of the world and what was written was that in my day and time I will be the voice of the one crying so when Jesus showed up he said of all men born of a woman he said there is none greater than John because he found his place having discerned the demands of the season today most of the ladies in the clubs are supposed to be the Deborahs of this generation but they are not aware most of the Mordecaias that should stand and emphasize the government of God and the deliverance of Israel they are the ones on the social media swindling people of money because they are not aware a generation is about to rise and everybody that is discerning we know that there is a government that is coming over this earth and that is what we be we make your life become a narrow path many things you want to do it becomes difficult because that government becomes strong the more you draw close in intimacy so we looked at the life of Abraham yesterday. We saw how that in the day when God wanted to bring salvation to the world, he called him from the womb of darkness and he carried him through a path in the wilderness until he learned the ways of God. And when he yielded to the ways of God, God promoted him not only on earth but in Zion. The Bible said men will come from the north, the south, the east and the west and they will sit with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of God. He followed that path. And he was not only relevant in time, even in eternity, he will be relevant. Young men fishing with their parents, and then Jesus walked by the borders of the sea, and he said, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And they left their nets. A point came, Peter was troubled. He said, what is in this thing for us? And Jesus said, no man that walketh with me will be small, not in this life or in the life to come. And when John, by the spirit of revelation, was carried into eternity, he saw that when the new Jerusalem descended, his name and the name of the other 11 apostles were on the foundations of that world. So their life was not wasted. The burdens they carried, the sacrifices they made, all of them became signatures in eternity because they discerned what God was doing. This is why we cry that people come under the government of God no matter what it will cost. This is not a call to poverty. But this is a call to people to be willing to do whatever it is that that command power brings to their soul. It's a kingdom gospel that men will rise unto responsibility. And our generation will be lost unless we are willing to rise. So we saw in the morning 
that God comes to purge his house. To make us become the very light that we witness his reality to this world. And God comes to make us lively stones with which we build that Jerusalem that cometh from Zion. We saw that the kind of dealing that God gives to every one of us is consistent with the responsibility, the role and the position we will occupy in that building. This is why it looks as if the government of God is too hard on some of us. The blocks that are in the foundation, they are tougher than the ones that are on the wall because of where they will occupy. But a man who does not discern, every time God brings government, he runs away. The generation must rise. Tonight, having made commitments, I want to show us three things that prayer will do for us quickly in the next five minutes. Then we will begin to pray. Because it's good to know about prayer, but it's more important to pray prayers. No matter what you know about prayer, we count for nothing except you actually begin to pray. So tonight we will engage prayer. It's not enough just to commit to God. If you commit to God and you don't sustain the disposition of prayer, after three days you will discover that the euphoria of the atmosphere will depart from your soul, but there will be no stamina. This is why people come for meetings, they cry, they fall on the floor, they do all kinds of things, but after two weeks they go back. Because they were not taught that everything God does with a man rests on altars. Only altars sustain the stamina to bear the things that God gives to a man. And you will look at it in scriptures. So one of the reasons we pray is because we want to preserve the heritage of God in our lives. If we don't pray, no matter what it is that God gives to us, it will float away by the winds. The winds and the circumstances of this world will come and it will carry them away like, a ch like chaff. I told you how most of us know that we are prophets, we are apostles, we are evangelists, we are commissioners, we are governors. The older you go, the more it will become to you like a story. The only way you can preserve it is by doing the business of altars. Hope you know when you were in primary school in primary one, there were things you were screaming that you would be. Now that you have grown, circumstances have taught you that those things don't come on a platter. The only way you keep dreams and heritages alive is by engaging the business of altars. This is what the fathers of old knew. Every generation that was able to trap the heritage of God and to express it until it was committed to the next generation are a people of prayer. After God called Abraham and promised him everything for all generation told him he was going to give him everything Genesis chapter 12 from verse 1 to 3 the Bible said the moment Abraham entered the promised land in verse 7 he said he built an altar to the Lord that appeared to him the reason you receive encounters you receive impartation and you lose them is because you don't plant them on altars impartations and encounters will count for nothing unless they find their place on the altar that you will erect. If you don't have an altar, the impartations and the encounters you see will be wasted. I tell you, there will be divine resources wasted because a man does not understand responsibility. That's why Jesus said, don't cast precious things to swine. They will stamp on them and turn back at you. There's no point releasing virtue upon a man that cannot run it on the altars that he builds. 
Every time altars become absent in the life of a man, then spiritual and divine investment are wasted. So one of the reasons we pray is not just to ask God for bread and wine. Prayer is the infrastructure that the heritage of God we receive is established upon. You want to have establishment in this kingdom, then prayer must become your lifestyle. The second reason we pray is because the purpose of God on earth cannot be preserved except by prayer. It is replete in scriptures. You know, tonight is a night of prayer and impartation. This is why I'm just running through before we begin to pray. So that we know that that your prophetic call that you talk about will never manifest unless you begin to pray. The heritage of God in your life is preserved by prayers. I told you how I came to Apostle Arume and told him I'm a prophet. Because I see visions. I say I'm a seer. That, that's the word I use. I'm a seer. And then when he held my hand in the spirit, he said, okay, you are light. You are light. You have not started. He said, go. When you begin. When God begins, I will tell you. Meanwhile, we were walking with suit and preaching everywhere like this. <laughs> you know how the devil was making a mess of us. You will go for a program, you will come back. After three weeks, somebody will be sick for three weeks. And then you will pray in tongues every night. The person will still die. Because you didn't have stature in the spirit. I went for impartation service. People were falling on the floor, crying everywhere. And when I finished, one hour later, they called me by 3, 3 p.m. in the afternoon. They told me my brother who is in the hospital have died. I came, the people say, oh boy, this guy carry power. People were crying and falling down. But the one that was in crisis, I had no power to salvage what the devil had prosecuted. Because we don't understand that even the authority of God upon our life cannot be wielded except prayer goes into the foundation of our everyday living. When prayer became my lifestyle, when God began to teach me the powers of priesthood, I now understood how many years I wasted. Because the same personality that was stealing people from the family, he came again for my father. And this time around, I didn't need to do videos. I told him to go home. And then I went back into the chamber where my altar was erected. And when I lifted my voice to Zion, a being descended into my room, clothed with the sun. I knew judgment had come. That's when I understood that the reason men are powerful on earth is because they understand the intelligence of fraternity. When you see a man talk, he's talking by the agency of his spirit. When you see a man make declaration and it comes to pass, there are spirits that are the command of his words. He has known what it takes. Hope you know that Abraham's fraternity was all about his family. Until the Bible said he began the intelligence of altars. That was when Abraham began to have family in heaven. So at that point, kings came to take Lot. He didn't pray. The Bible said he took 318 trained servants from his house. He went after five kings and destroyed all of them. He saved Lot, came back with all his boys. And the king of Sodom said, take it. He said, no. I'm sufficient in myself. I know altars. By altars, I can enter into heaven. Anything I want happens. This is why these men, when they want to bless their children, they don't give them goats and elephants and cattle. They say, El Shaddai, bless you. Go. Inflation is no longer a factor. Because what they have secured has an eternal capacity. Because he say you are blessed. No matter what happens around you, it will turn out to be blessings. So they labor to stand in the spirit. 
Elijah will come out from the wilderness and stand in a palace and say, Before God, whom I stand. That is a man of altars. Nothing on earth moves them anymore. They have understood the intelligence of entering into their true reality. The man came again for my father. This time around, I was only to make decrees. And when I judged, three days later, my dad became strong. Three days later, the man went down. And his right feet began to decay. Foot began to decay. Three months later, he confessed and died. The amazing part of it, and the most, the most, the most troubling part of it was that the man altered his voice and he said he killed my brother. That means if I knew the intelligence of prayer, I would have saved the life of my brother. So the reason my brother died is not because the devil is powerful. It's because I don't understand how to wield the scepter of authority that God gave me. The devil is not strong. You are weak. The destiny of a young man was wasted because the one that is the priest of the family was slumbering every night. And I vowed, I vowed that everything God gives me, I will preserve it to the fullest. That was the kind of life men like Abraham lived. Abraham littered Bethel with altars. Everywhere you go in Bethel, there were, there were altars. Until God himself will testify that I know Abraham. That he will command his children in the path that they should go. Even when Abraham left this world, Jacob was a swindler. He was the custodian of the Abrahamic blessing. The only thing that will make Jacob remain the way he is was not to walk through the borders where Abraham lived. The moment he entered the borders of Bethel, the first place he rested his head was an altar and heaven opened. So he understood how to preserve heritages. Many hundred years later, when God came to Egypt, he came to Egypt not because the people were crying, because of the covenant that he had with Abraham. How do men become so ranking in the spirit? Because they know the ways of the altar. Men of prayer are the people that can secure and preserve the heritage of God that is upon their lives. And secondly, men of prayer are the salt of the earth. Not every believer. <laughs> you know, when Jesus makes certain statements, you will not understand. Because you will think that statement, the fullness of the scope of that statement is in the context where he said it. You will not understand. When Jesus said you are the salt of the earth, he was not talking to all believers. He was talking only to men that know the technology of prayer. Because Jesus said in Luke chapter 18 verse 1, He said men ought always to pray and not to faint. So when Jesus said you are the salt of the earth, He is talking to men assuming that all of them will what? Pray and not faint. So a man who is not given to prayer has no place in preserving the heritage of God in his generation. He may be there, you may be counted, but you will not be numbered in Zion. Because when God comes, it's the men that bear the potting that he will recognize. They were doing all the charade in Colos. Paul came, he said, Epaphras. He said, salute also. He said, <laughs> he's sending salutation. Epaphras is one of you, a born servant of Christ, laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So the reason the church of God was prospering in Colos was because of the prayers of Epaphras. So when you see witness in Colos, it's not necessarily because there are good preachers there. 
somebody was at the back of the cave raising incense to Zion. So Paul, by the wisdom of priesthood, he saw that the stature that the church had in Colos was not because of the preachers. It was because of Epaphras. He said the reason the people are standing perfect in the will of God was because Epaphras was praying. So through the scriptures, you will see that every time the heritage of God is preserved in the earth, it's because men prayed. In Genesis chapter 4, we saw how that king went and raised the civilization of darkness to erode every heritage that God had with Adam until God gave another child to Adam. And when that child called Seth gave birth to Enos, the Bible said, then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. God is about to visit earth again. He said in Genesis chapter 6 that the imagination in the heart of man was perpetually wicked. So God said he will destroy the whole earth. He said he repented him that he made the earth that he will destroy man, beast and everything in the earth until we saw. He said and God found grace with Noah. Noah found grace with God. And I began to wonder how is it possible? It was when Noah came out of the ark in Genesis chapter 8 verse 20 that we understood what Noah was doing before he found grace. So Noah was the sort of that generation the reason was because he was a man of the orders. The Bible said the moment he came out of the ark, he raised an altar unto the Lord. So the reason Noah found grace with God and Noah became the reason why God did not destroy that earth was because he was a man of prayer. In Exodus chapter 32, God came and said, these people are a stiff-necked people. I will wipe them away and begin another generation. Then another sort appeared. Then Moses began to raise intercession. He said, no. How do you want it to be heard? That the great God delivered them from Egypt and wiped them out in the wilderness. He said, repent of these things. And God repented. Because a man of prayer was standing. So God could not destroy the earth. The men that preserved the earth, the sorts of the earth are actually the intercessors that every generation finds. If we cannot pray, God cannot be preserved. The heritage of God cannot be preserved. The move of God can never find expression. That's why every revival you see begins with prayer. They were in Babylon, wasting away until Daniel rose up. Say, I, Daniel, I understood by books. He knew that the years of captivity was over. Daniel chapter 9 from verse 2. Yet they were in captivity. What do we do? He went on his knees for 21 days. And heaven was mobilized. Those who preserve the earth are the men that make prayer their business. There will be many prophecies over your campus, many prophecies over the youth of this chapel. If you don't rise up in prayer, you will grow old and the next generation will come to fulfill those prophecies. The problem is not going to be with God and God will never lose out because the last time we checked is called the ancient of days. Time doesn't affect him. You are the one who is affected. You will grow old and pass away. Another generation will come. And God will still be dealing with them as what? The youths of Chapel of Redemption. But at that time, Nathaniel may not be there again. You have passed away. So you are not relevant. But what God said will still come to pass. This is why we beseech heaven. So that everything God utters, we will see it with our eyes. Simeon knew that salvation was coming to Israel. He prayed until God himself promised him that you will not see death until you see the salvation of Israel. Men force their way into the move of God by prayer. 
The prophecies will not make it happen. It is your prayer that will constitute the precursor that will make happen that which God wants to do. This is why when we pray, we pray brutally. God told me at the age of seven, I saw an open vision who I was going to be. I began to pray when I was 21. Nothing happened. It was when I became 31 that God came and said, I will begin to announce you. God is not moved. He's not in a hurry. He's dwelling in eternity. You are the one in time, so you are the one who needs to be in a hurry. A generation that don't pray, they have no part in the move of God. A man who does not pray has no part in the move of God. It's possible for you to hear about revival, revival, and you are psyching yourself and running around. The only thing that proves that you are part of that revival is the hunger in your spirit for the altar. And the more you pray, the more you register yourself rigidly in that revival. If you don't give yourself to it, you may show up in heaven. And like Judas Iscariot, they will tell you this was your throne, but now it's Matthias that will sit there. Because the twelve are supposed to sit on twelve thrones to judge the twelve tribes of Israel. Judas is sitting in Hades. <laughs> he will show up and they will say, Oh, you are supposed to be the governor in 2030. But the spirits that will work with you, you didn't mobilize them on the altar. So in 2030, somebody has understood another pattern of fraternity. So he engaged it and the balances were altered against you. Men understand. Men of wisdom, they know how to alter the balances by prayer. And they cause things to work in their favor. So the thing was for you, but somebody else has wisdom. He understands spiritual intelligence. So he knows how to alter the balances. You want to find your place in God, it is by the order. If not, your place will be vacuum, vacant. And nature abhors vacuum. Somebody else will enter. The person may not have the ordination of a prophet. But he will what? He will enter. Some, because they cannot pray, in the season of their marriage, they are, they are led in the wrong direction. So they are calling dies. They get married and go to US and they are snapping pictures, putting online. They think that is success. Paul said, <laughs> it is in the afterlife that we receive the crown of life. That means life itself is not rewarded in time. Meanwhile, if God helps you and you look through the vistas of heaven, then you will discover that, oh my God, you are supposed to be the only female voice that will rise in this generation to bring the counsel of God to bear. But you followed money and you are in the US. If God is merciful, it's your son that he will drop that calling upon. But even though that is mercy, you have lost your place with God. These are heavy matters. And we are in a transition season. So we need to bring this emphasis so that we will rise up and pray. If you don't pray, even the scriptures you are quoting are stories. It will have no impact. Men of old understand how it works. So all of them were mobile altars. You came to their house, they knew the places where they prayed. He said, Peter and John went to the temple at the hour of prayer. He said, Jesus, in the early hours of the morning, he went to a solitary place. There he prayed. All of them, they had a place where they hid before God. So every time they come out, they see a glimpse of the reward of heaven through the things God does by their hands. 
Never leave your destiny to chance. You want to take your place with God. Prayer must become your operating system. Hey, 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 hey.